0: Forged in Fire podcast. Be warned, we're not your typical Christian podcast. We tell it like it is, we don't pull punches, and we're committed to teaching biblical truth even when that truth hurts your feelings. Sensitive listener discretion is advised. Let's rock. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. James one verses two through four. Hello and welcome back to Forge and Fire podcast. Thank you so much for downloading the show and joining me today. I'm Matt, your host, and I do want to start off with a big apology because there were some promises made at the beginning of the week that were not kept. Uh, it uh, it was a it was a pretty rough week at my house. Uh, I ran into a technical glitch trying to uh, introduce video along with the podcast. Turns out it was not as simple as I thought it was, but uh, I've almost got that figured out. And so we'll be introducing that within the next couple of weeks. But the main thing that I ran into was I had a doctor appointment this week, which I knew the doctor appointment was coming because I have just, I have got off reflux and, uh, I've had it for many, many years, but the last year or two, it's really become just about unmanageable. And so I went in for that. And what I didn't know was coming was that the doctor pulled the trigger real quick on the endoscopy. I called it an endoscopy. That's not correct. I had the emphasis on the wrong syllable there. So I had the, uh, endoscopy done the very next day, had a horribly rough afternoon when I woke up from that. And then I slept for a day and a half. Now here I am. I think I've got, uh, I think I'm ready to be back in the saddle. I've got most of my stuff good, ready to go. So here we are, rocking and rolling, ready to continue on. And so let's go ahead and let's get into the meat of this episode. I want to start off with a quote from horror writer. You know, he's called a horror writer. I consider it's really more weird fiction than anything. H.P. Lovecraft said, The oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear. And the oldest and strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown. And I find this to be an excellent observation because we don't like what we don't know or don't understand. We look for order and cause and effect. Our, our brains, you could say our brains are programmed to, to seek it out. And that's how pareidolia happens. And pareidolia is when, it's basically when we see faces or animals or patterns that aren't actually there. Like when we see a cloud and, and oh, it's an elephant. Or the, one of the best examples would probably be that face on Mars that's actually like literally just a ginormous mound of dirt. But when shadows hit it a certain way and we look at it, we see a face because our brain is looking for that pattern. And so we seek it out this search for cause and effect and understanding, it's never more true than when something bad happens. We want to know what happened, how it happened, when it happened and who it happened to. Okay. We need to know and which is how you can have, You know, a a simple fender bender on the side of the interstate, but traffic can be backed up for five or six miles because everybody's got to slow down and see what happened. If we need to know what's up and that need only intensifies when the one that it happens to is ourselves. So that kind of segues into what we're going to begin talking about this week is that there are a few reasons why we have trouble in our lives. And today we're going to focus on just one of them that sometimes we have trouble with, um, I'll go ahead and throw myself in that camp. I've had trouble with it because the fact is, it's not real pleasant. But like a lot of things in scripture, you know, what are, your feelings about it are, are irrelevant. That doesn't make it any less true. And so we're going to dive into reason number one, why you may be having issues, is uh, one is real brief. It is something in your control, i.e. you screwed up. Okay, because there is, let me, let me grab some caffeine here. has not coffee this time. It is blue agave, full throttle. Really, really good. Again, not intentionally plugging them, but if they want to throw me some money, I'm not going to say no. Anywho, there is this misconception out there that once we become Christians, uh, once we've been forgiven of our sins and we've been granted salvation, then that's all she wrote. We've got nothing else to worry about ever, ever again. And that's just not true. Okay, as Christians, yes. Now now hear me. Let me be very clear. As Christians, we are free from the eternal consequences of sin. However, we're not necessarily free from the earthly consequences. Okay? If you break the law, you go to jail. If you break the law in a manner that necessitates jail time, then you're going to jail. God will forgive you. Of course, if you are sincere, God will forgive you and will absolve you of whatever it is that you did, but you're still going to be sitting in the big house, okay? That is the earthly consequence to the actions, or to your actions, or to your sins. Or, and this is our our primary focus today, it might could be that you're being chastised by God. And now chastised is basically a word that means punished, or as we say down here where I'm from, gotten on to. But wait, a lot of people will say, you wait. Our God is a loving God, and a loving God doesn't, wouldn't, couldn't, or shouldn't punish his people. And I'm here to tell you that people who believe that need to read through the Old Testament one more again, okay? God does it constantly, and the Jews were his people way before you and I were. Okay, so on that note, let's take a look down at Deuteronomy in chapter 8, looking at the first four verses. So starting at verse 1, this comes from the English Standard Version, for those of you who care. Says The whole commandment that I command you today you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these forty years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you, and let you hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Now there's quite a bit just in that passage to unpack, so let's just kind of take it verse by verse. In verse one, it serves essentially as a reminder to the Israelites that the gifts that God promised to them did not come automatically to believers, but they were byproducts of obedience, okay? There is, now just because the word if is not in there, there is a strongly implied, it, it's a fairly obvious if statement, that the whole commandment, I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go on and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. So it basically means if you are careful to do the whole commandment that I'm commanding you, then you can live and multiply and go possess this land, the Lord's swore of your fathers. Okay, it is, it is an implied if statement. So not automatic, but it is a byproduct of faith and obedience. And their experience in the wilderness for those 40 years existed and, and was meant to produce obedience and faith in the nation of Israel. And now verses 2 and 3, we can kind of take together. See, God already knew their hearts. He, he led you 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you keep his commandments or not. God already knew that. God never asked a question that he doesn't have the answer to. And so God already knew their hearts. Okay, the point of this wasn't to prove their obedience to God, but it was to prove it to history, to serve as an example for those who would come later, including you and I. And, and God led them to the wilderness where they had no choice but to trust him and to rely on him. Okay, they couldn't produce food or clothing or anything else for themselves. They had to depend on him for their very lives. In verse 4, this is the one that really sticks out to me. Your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. It's real easy to take God's protection for granted. You know, usually we don't stop to thank God or even really take notice when the car doesn't break down or our clothes don't rip and tear, or the bank account doesn't overdraw. And apparently in 40 years, the Israelites didn't even notice that not only did their clothes not rot off of their bodies, but that their feet didn't even swell or get blisters. And nowadays... It's like the more things change, the more they stay the same. We're no different. We're guilty of the exact same thing. And especially in times of trouble, it's hard to take notice of and take the time to thank God for the gifts in our lives. It almost becomes really a sense of entitlement, which I think many are aware has become a huge problem nowadays. Caffeine break. Hang on. And another big problem with our society today, especially here in the U.S., is that somehow we have separated the ideas of discipline and love. It seems like no one believes in tough love or love hurts anymore. We have this belief somehow in this perception that love has to be pleasant, 100%, and it has to be 100% pleasant all of the time. And the reality is that's not even close to being true. And here's where that ties into the, the chastising, and what we're talking about here is most of us have heard the phrase, spare the rod, spoil the child. And you may have also been told or, or may just believe that that phrase comes from Scripture. And, well, yes and no. Uh, basically, like a lot of things in this, you know, got to make them feel good era of Christianity, it's, it's been watered down from its original phrasing and meaning. And it comes from Proverbs thirteen twenty four, which says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son. Let me say that one more again for you. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. And this just echoes back in Proverbs chapter three. We read, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves. As, catch this now, as a father, the son in whom he delights. Here's the, here's the rub. Here's the hard part is that correction is a vital part of discipline, okay? And discipline means to teach and to train, and it's hard to know sometimes when God has been disciplining us until we look back at the situation later on, you know, hindsight twenty twenty and all of that. Now, let me be clear again, okay? That's not to say that every bad thing that happens to us is coming directly from God, okay? But... If we rebel against him and we refuse to repent when he points out the sin in our lives, and he will, then yes, God might use guilt or crises or that's plural for crisis. If you didn't know, I actually just learned that like a year ago, Uh, but he, he may use that or bad experiences to bring us back to him. Okay. It's not easy for a loving parent to discipline their child. It's really not, but it is necessary. And some might say, because they've said it to me, well, you know, that's Old Testament, okay? Things changed with the New Testament and, and the New Covenant, and now it's all about love, grace, and mercy. Let me point you real quick just to two, and, I, and I'm not just picking and choosing for context here, okay? Go in and read the entire thing. Look at 1 Corinthians 11.32, says, but when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. You ever get your butt whipped? Assuming you're from the generation or a generation or a family, rather, that, you know, actually doled out some butt weapons. You ever get your butt whipped and your mom or dad says, this is for your own good? Well, that's the truth. And, and that's exactly what we're being told here, is that we're disciplined, so we may not be condemned along with the world, okay? Being disciplined sucks. It's not fun. But it's better than the alternative. Okay, and let's jump over to Hebrews 12 real quick, which I like to focus on this because it's an example of the New Testament quoting the Old Testament and then expanding on it just a little bit to explain its relevancy. So Hebrews 12, starting at verse five, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not, we just read this, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Okay, the King James Version doesn't pull any punches. The word there is bastards. Then you are bastards and not sons. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. And for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Okay, so here, here's the bottom line here. This is the big picture of this passage is who loves his son more, his child more? The father who lets his child do what will hurt him or the father who corrects and trains and even punishes his son to teach him what's right. You know, I like to be transparent. I I like to keep it real and, and just be honest with you. I've got five children. We are a blended family. I created three of these children in my first marriage and I raised them from birth. And with all three of them, both of my daughters and my son, I cried the first time that I had to spank them. Okay, I cried harder and longer than they did, and I hated it. I really, really did. But I knew that I had to do it because I love them and I want them to know right from wrong. Okay, now I am fully prepared for the hate mail that uh, we're we're about to open myself up to right here. Okay, I know nowadays there are many, 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 many people who don't use corporal punishment. Okay, they think it's wrong. Uh, In case it's not obvious to you yet. I'm not one of those people. Now, on one hand, let and let me be clear, on one hand, it's your house, it's your home, it's your family. You can run it however you see fit. My home and my family are not perfect. And so some would even say, and and might be correct, to say that I'm not really in a position to tell anyone how to raise their kids. However, I will tell you, I am on solid ground spiritually, scripturally, and psychologically OK, forgive the tangent that I'm about to go into or don't. I'll be fine either way. I'm not going to lose any sleep. But talking about the, it, what it is, is the logic versus pain response, because the most common argument that I hear is that you have to use logic and reasoning to explain to your child why the things that they're doing are wrong when they do them. The problem with that is that if you wait long enough for that to be a viable option, then it's way too late because the brain centers that process logic and reasoning and rational thinking don't develop until you're somewhere between four to six years old. And that's just the average. Okay. It, it can be as late as 10 years old. That is way too late to start teaching your kid what's right and what is wrong. However, The part of the brain that processes the pain response develops way earlier, usually before you're two years old. Okay, it's the same process that that helps to housebreak a puppy when you pop him. Or more importantly, it's the process that makes you stay away from a hot stove the first time you touch it. it. And it's not because someone sits down and has to explain to you the properties of thermodynamics or the effects of high temperatures on human flesh. Okay, It's immediate. Oh, that hurt. Don't do that again. Let me get into two examples, and I promise I will bring this full circle. It will make sense. Now, let me preface this again. I'm a little old school, uh, not as old school as my parents, okay? My parents grew up in the time where if your neighbor caught you screwing up, neighbor'd whip you butt, tell your mama, mama'd whip your butt. She'd tell daddy when he got home, daddy would whip your butt. Never had my butt whipped by a neighbor, but I have been drugged back to my house by a neighbor to inform my mother how I screwed up so she could whip me. So uh, it's like the on Facebook, you see that, which parents were yours? And it's like the, oh, you poor little baby are you okay and then the one going bet you won't do that again i had the bet you won't do that again parents okay so example number one when my oldest daughter was about four years old she was obsessed with power outlets okay she would snatch a fork or a spoon or some tweezers or or a toy she found on the floor anything that she could get her hands on and tried to put it into a light socket and her mother and I used to tear our hair out and and just worry ourselves to death over this because it was almost impossible to keep her away. And I mean, we talked until we were blue in the face, trying to break things down to her level, make it as sense as as simple as possible. Don't do that. It'll bite you. It's going to hurt. It's going to ouch. She didn't care. Nothing that we said. I guess it just didn't compute. And so after literally months of this, I was fed up. And one day, she grabbed a pair of tweezers, and she headed for an outlet. I didn't stop her. I didn't let her mother stop her either. And there was a pop, a spark, and a scream. And that was the last time she ever went near a power outlet. And yes, I am fully prepared for the hate mail that I'm about to get. And I told you that story to tell you this story. One night, when I was about four years old, yeah, I know, there, there's kind of a pattern developing here. My Ninja Turtles light was unplugged. It was Donatello, as a matter of fact, if you uh, care. And the outlet was right beside my bed on the floor, but it was across from my bedroom door, which is where the light switch was. And I didn't want to get up and walk all the way over there to turn the light on. Don't get ahead of me. So, I had plugged in that light dozens of times, okay? In my mind, it was no biggie. Like, it, it wasn't even... Like, this wasn't even a consideration. So I grabbed it to plug it in. I missed. It sparked and popped and hurt my fingers and scared me half to death. And to this day, 30 years later, I still will not try to plug something in unless I can see it 100%. If it's even a little bit dark, I ain't going near it. And that's not because I was told not to plug things in in the dark. But I learned quick, fast, and in a hurry. And it wasn't because mom and dad sat me down and explained the basics of electricity and grounding to me. It was because I did something stupid I shouldn't have done and it hurt. And that is why we discipline our children, or at least why we should. And that is why God disciplines us. Okay. And and here's where it comes full circle, where I'm going to bring it together, is that our relationship with God is the exact same way. It's real easy to, but we can never lose sight of the fact or forget that God is our Father and He loves us and treats us accordingly. And furthermore, that all things, okay, even the things that hurt for a little while, work together for good for those who love Him. Well, guys, that's going to about wrap it up for this week. I uh, do apologize again for being late, but we are back on track, back on schedule, rocking and rolling. Uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, uh, prayer requests, anything at all, reach out by email, podcast at gmail.com. Check out the website at org. Leave us a review on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, where the podcast is hosted, wherever you listen to that. Well, this rather, wherever you listen to it, you know, just spread the word. Tell your friends word of mouth is really the best way to get it out there. And again, thank you so much for spending your time listening to me. I know you've got thousands and thousands of options out there, and uh, I'm just so grateful that you choose to spend that time listening to some hillbilly in Alabama talking to a microphone. And so we're going to jump ahead next week with uh, a continuation on trouble and why we have trouble, but this one won't be quite as as nihilistic or dour or negative or whatever you want to call it. I guess you could say this one has kind of a happier message, is is we're going to be looking at trouble and issues as a way to strengthen your faith and, and to make us better and better able to do more. And so that'll be all for next week. Until then, spread the word, tell your friends, take care of yourselves, and God bless. Thanks, guys. Thank you for joining us here at Forged Empire Podcast. We know there are thousands of options out there, and we're thankful you've chosen to spend your time with us. We hope you've been encouraged and strengthened in your walk with God and encourage you to leave a review on Anchor, iTunes, or wherever you listen to this show. Opening music is Aliens on the Loose by Bobby Cole, which can be licensed at songtrader.com. Questions, comments, prayer requests, or hate mail can all be sent to Forged and at gmail.com or on our website at Forged